I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up and good morning, War Report family. It's your guy, Ike Jones. We are here. Another morning drop this weekend. Auburn added another TJ to the football team. We're going to talk about it right here. Y'all know how we do War Report style. Let's drop it on them. Now, now listening, listening to, to the War Report. Morning drop Monday, August the 14th. We are here. Warpour, Guy Ike Jones, B Will. Talking a little bit of recruiting stuff. TJ Lindsay, mm-hmm. now a commit to the Auburn Tigers. B Will, how you feeling this Monday morning? It's Monday morning. All is well. It's not pouring down rain egregiously down here in Auburn for the first day so far in many days. So, good so far. Let's go. Yeah, man. Um, It's still going to be hot, though. Yeah, it is. It's very hot outside. Rather Um, be raining, honestly. But, (laughs) yeah, yeah, we got a a heat warning in effect up here where they just like, hey, be careful. When you step outside, you might die. It's literally like that (laughs) hot outside. Um, But... An up and down recruiting weekend for Auburn athletics, right? So uh, let's get the, it didn't happen the way we thought it would out of the way so that we can focus on the guy who actually is here. Uh, For those that don't know, the young guy, Flory, and make sure I'm pronouncing the last name, Bredunga, is not coming to Auburn as of right now, committed to Kansas. That's a big miss for the Auburn basketball team. Mm. No two ways about it especially considering how many people were like, oh, it's Auburn. Like, crystal balls be damned. I don't care nothing about no crystal balls no more. Mario, I don't even like Mario crystal ball. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. But Flory's not headed to Auburn right now. Oh, uh, man. So all the smoke that, that would have us believe that he was coming to Auburn started a few days out, about a week out when Duke was reportedly, 
favorite for a very mm-hmm. long time. And then Duke reportedly fell out of the running for him. And that's when everybody started postulating, oh, it's going to be us. It's going to be us. We knew that Bruce had been on Flory for a very long time. A friend of the, of the channel, uh, Brandy Mack, was, was hyping the, we got to get Flory Madunga for, I mean, probably <laughs> a year. It's like, this is the one. We got to get him. Mm-hmm. And then once Auburn and Peyton Marshall parted ways earlier this year, that wasn't viewed as a decommitment in the sense of, oh, well, Peyton Marshall just decided to go elsewhere. That was viewed as Bruce gave this guy a good head start and said, hey, we're going to be trying to get a different center. We want to go ahead and let you know now so you have an opportunity to find a place that you like better before all these spots start filling up. It's a very cordial, I mean, I guess it's cordial on our part. You know, you do the best you can to communicate those things openly with the, with the guys who are recruited to you. But he decommitted, and that let us know that we were full-court press on Flory. So when the Duke noise started dying down, people started assuming that it was us. It was mm-hmm. us in the driver's seat that we saw a lot of crystal ball accounts from different services. It wasn't just one team of guys. It was different teams of guys from everywhere saying, oh, well, look, I think this guy's going to Auburn. He was looking, Flory was looking so chummy with Tahad Pettiford. <laughs> That's what got me. Man, hold That's on. Did you watch me. this game where they were out there outside playing and they had to wipe the court down repeatedly and all this? I didn't I watch the, the game. I saw I saw some clips of it, which was why, I don't why even would know y'all put play. these young men's future at risk like this, dog? Like, I, what are we doing, man? I don't know. But that was that was that was an Under Armour sponsor thing too, wasn't it? It was. It was. So, uh, man, come on, son. I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand logistically how you put something outside if inside was available. But once he started looking really chummy with Tahad, who looks outstanding, by the way. The yeah. silver lining here, <laughs> we got a, a baller coming in next next class with Tahad Pettiford, man. That man looks unreal. I don't even want to put no bad juju out about that situation, man, but Tahad is, he's nice. Yeah. He's, he's nice. He's nice. So, I thought that them being looking all close was like that. I mean, in the game, in the practices, all right, before the game, they looked chummy. He added them right before the commitment time to how I did on social media. He was like, hey, you know what's going on? That man committed to Kansas. Yeah, he did. This, okay. Yes, did. This, is what, this is what hurts. It doesn't hurt that somebody that you are in the running for chooses another school. That happens all the time. It happens to some of the best programs. There is no shame in that. What hurts is when you as a fan base start getting signals from professional recruiting services and uh, talking to your, your, your current recruits are talking to them and you hear that the favorite fell off and, and you know Bruce has let another center go just to get this dude. So all the signs are pointing to you're going to get this dude. The assuredness that you were going to get him and then not getting him. Similar to, I'm sure, what South Carolina was feeling right. Jalewis Solomon. Yeah, this is exactly how they felt. We were counting those chickens. We thought we had every reason to count those chickens. And we got got. Yeah. It hurt. It hurt to lose that. 
But I have not seen anybody. Well, it's kind of difficult to go out there and talk about Kansas like they ain't that in basketball. So I have, but I haven't seen anybody, you know, going to the extent of, you know, the South Carolina fans going nuts about this whole situation. Now, people have definitely mocked us the way that we mocked South Carolina fans, but I haven't seen Auburn fans rebut in the way that South Carolina fans have. So kudos to the, uh, the Auburn fans for keeping a cool head amongst all of this, but we'll see how it pans out. But anyway, enough of that, enough of our sorrows. Um, We did have something wonderful to be able to celebrate as far as a commitment is concerned. And that is the commitment of one TJ Lindsay. I know the name TJ stings with some people of recent history, but, and the last name kind of is in the same Ask the, uh, it rhymes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds a little the same. But anyway, TJ Lindsay uh, chose Auburn over Texas and Miami. 6'5", 265, IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Four-star strong side defensive end. Now committed as an Auburn Tiger. Mm-hmm. Be Will, thoughts on young Mr. TJ Lindsay? Well, you know, I one thing I don't do that a lot of other people do, and and you don't do it too much, not nearly as much, is I'm not going to look at every bit of film for a junior in high school and Mm -hmm. assume that, look at that, we're getting a stud. I don't know what we're getting from junior tape. You don't know entirely what you're getting from senior tape. What I can say is that based on who's after this dude, and this is Auburn recruiting in general, we used to routinely win battles against some of the best group of five schools or some lower tier power five schools. Like we're going to beat out Purdue and Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Memphis for somebody who's in the region, or we're going to beat out um, UCF, South Florida, and, you know, a South Carolina like that. Those were our normal recruiting victories four or five years ago. What Hugh Freeze has been able to do is consistently, there are three elite recruiting programs in the country. Three. Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. That's it. Everybody else is a whole step. You know how you're going up the steps and you like skip two steps trying to get somewhere? There's top step, skip a step, everybody else starts right there, okay? We beat, depending on how you look at it, Georgia and or Bama for Riddick. We beat Bama for Thompson. We beat Ohio State for Kay and Lee. We are taking the big boys' lunch on their watch in real time before Hugh Freeze plays one game on the field. Okay? Yeah. Again, Texas A&M, Texas, Bama, Miami. The important thing to note there is something that has been said by Mike G on these shows, and, and we've echoed it, is NIL is not the entire deciding factor of these things. What it does do is level the playing field for you. If you can say, oh, well, they're going to be compensating you that month after month after month. Well, look at our play. Look what our players are bringing in. Look at what you you can project and expect. Texas, Texas A&M and Miami, they are throwing money down left and right. Like it's, they are winning and stocking their teams almost exclusively off the strength of NIL. Well, Texas A&M exclusively because nobody wants to go play for Jimbo. But Miami, they've been doing great job recruiting, poor job on the field, but 
The turnaround of their fortunes recruiting has been linked mostly to the activity of their their uh, booster base in their NIL collectives. When you beat three, well, excuse me, four big-time recruiting programs, Texas might not be a big-time program, but they're big-time recruiting. Same for Texas A&M. Bama's a big-time program. Miami is a big-time recruiting program right now. He chose Auburn. He's from Arkansas, so as far as what's close to him, Texas is just as close as where we're right. Texas is closer to him, actually. He's not closer proximity to us than, than the other schools. He's in Bradenton right now playing for IMG. Miami's not far away from there. Hey, this is a win. Yeah. A, a win in the truest sense of the word over the biggest recruiting schools in our region. I don't... I. I I'm going to give this credit, of course, to the staff and, and Hugh Freeze's focus on recruiting, but Coach Garrett, man. Yeah. Individual position coaches make such a big difference for these dudes when they come on campus. I've already said I thought Aldridge is a plus recruiter in the sense of what Caddy is for the running back room and what Zach Etheridge is for the secondary. I think we also have a defensive line coach of the same cut and cloth when it comes to his ability to recruit. I thought we had that in Easton, and we did, which is why we were so sad that he left. Yeah. As much of a, a good guy, I, I think the defensive line players love Coach Brumbaugh. He wasn't the recruiter that Easton was. It appears we might be back onto the, oh, no, you can make these connections, and you single-handedly will be the difference in some recruiting battles at defensive line now because of what Coach Garrett is bringing to the table with recruiting. I think we are dangerous. I am not, I would not be surprised to end up top five now because we have enough talent left out there that we are after. And now I have confidence that we can get almost anybody. Yeah. All of them, probably not. Just about all of them, I think we got a shot. No, they're they're doing an amazing job of selling division again without actually having the products to sell. Like this is top tier high level stuff that they're doing right now in mm -hmm. recruiting. Yeah. You know, me, I'm not a big, as you said, guy on watching film for high school recruits and making a big assessment as far as how they will translate. Mm -hmm. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I liked to, I liked looking at this young man's film. It was his junior year that I saw and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a big dude moving really fast. Yep. And when he gets there, he he has bad intentions. And I was like, yes, this is um this this is appealing. I, I like what I'm <laughs> seeing with him. I like his use of hands. He's he's light on his feet. He's got mm -hmm. quickness. I was like, okay, yeah, if he can continue to develop in this way, you know, put some more weight on, right? 265 is 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 small. For, for a collegiate defensive lineman, but you right. know, a defensive end, if he's going to be a pass rushing guy right. and he can get some more bend, then that's fine. But if he's going to play interior D line, you know, a D tackle, uh, defensive end, he needs to put a little bit more weight on, or he's going to need to figure out how to play with more leverage because he's six five, right? Like right. he's already tall. Right. Uh, so he's either going to need to put some more weight on, or he's going to need to figure out how to bend a little bit better. At any rate, I liked what I saw about his ability to move mm -hmm. because he was in motion and he was putting offensive linemen in bad positions often. And I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, this this might be this might be a get right here. Yeah. 
you can definitely see the tools for these guys early. That's what you can see. You can see the tools early. They aren't burdened by um, complicated systems in high school. They can show off their athleticism a lot easier, especially when they have better athleticism than the people across from them. So it's easier to see, okay, here's this person's potential and here's what we think they can do well. And that that projects well to our game, to the college game, to the SEC. The thing that I think slows some prospects down is once you get to this level, you aren't used to being resisted the way that these other players, these other really good players can resist you. Like, yeah, my first step is always quicker than, my, than the other guy, but what if it's not? You're going to come down with 14 sacks like you did your senior season in high school? Absolutely not. Because these right. guys, these guys, either they are fast enough to keep up with you on your first step or they're fast enough to make up for losing on the first step on top of being strong enough to resist you as well. That is what I think defines college players being successful at this level. It is, yes, you might have all the tools. Like, there's, there's no, you can't tell me that Byron Coward didn't have the tools to be successful here. Right. Something didn't translate where mentally, between mental and, and emotional, I'm not doing this as well as I used to do it. It's not working. Well, how do you get through that? Usually, you buckle down and you work. You go to your coach and like, hey, I'm missing something. What do I need to work on? Well, you need to work on this. Well, what if that thing you need to work on is the thing you absolutely hate doing the most? That is a real thing. I am weak at this. I need to get better at it. But man, I hate it. The work is the only thing that's going to get you through it. Hopefully, we have the staff that knows how to transform some of these players into the best version of their next level selves so that those tools that we saw in high school can translate here and we can continue to benefit from some quality recruiting, not just four stars in in appearance, but on the field, four-star, five-star production. That'll be the best case for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it is disappointing when we have guys with all the potential and the payoff just hasn't been there, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about this, about Auburn has been where five stars have gone to die, right? Like, it's just, we we have not witnessed the full potential of a five-star athlete at Auburn University in quite some time. And, but this is also why you have to stack the the deck with multiple four and five stars so that you're not relying on the productivity of one person to take you over the top. It's like, okay, we got this one superior athlete, right? Like you look at the case of, you know, Cam Newton, Nick Fairley, right? It was really the synergy around those two Mm -hmm. superior athletes and everybody else around them being adequate, right? Uh, Nothing really stellar to go around those guys. But when you're, an elite program, you've got a bunch of stellar athletes and then you have one kind of ethereal somebody who just, it 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 makes it way different just to have that one piece there and it takes it over the top. Yeah. Auburn is starting to stack the deck a little bit better right now mm. and putting themselves in position to be in contention year in and year out because you have the cupboard stacked with, with talent. Somebody goes down, you got somebody else to come in right behind him that may not be the same kind of athlete, may not be the same kind of player, but they can step in and adequately perform. And then you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, why why wasn't this dude starting? Right. And it's like, well, I mean, the other dude was good, too. So (laughs) we're just able to mix and and interchange pieces and you're going to keep everything in motion. Right. Yeah. And we seem to be one place we're already doing it, running back. People were so upset that the Harson administration didn't go after Quinshawn Jenkins. Oh, excuse me, Quinshawn Judkins. He's now at Ole Miss. He went to Ole Miss. 
Honestly, it would would have been great to have another stud running back in the room. Yeah, that man wasn't going to see the field. We can't cutting up in the NFL right now. Jarquez already looked like the best back in the SEC. He just didn't have the snaps to prove it. Now he's RB1. Damari's killing it in camp, looking like he could be an RB1 anywhere, but he's probably RB2. And by all accounts, Cobb is the next coming of who? I don't know. The running backs in our room. Yeah. We're stacked. We're doing... That's how you want it to go. You want to get good on good on good on good. If we lose a guy, we're good. If we lose two guys, we'll probably still be good. Right. That's the situation you want to be in. And it gives you a better shot to some some insulation against injury or whatever else happens. Because football's crazy, man. You never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh I, you know, and I am, you know, speaking of the running back room, we we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out what is live right now with the fireside that we did with our running backs. Yes, sir. Um, and I'm excited about what they're doing in that running back room, but more to the point of TJ Lindsay and kind of what we want to do in recruiting going forward. And there's some comments on this that I want to get into Uh, the trenches, man. It's a focus for this team. They want to, or excuse me for this staff. They want to make sure that we're solidified up front. Coach freeze understands that in order to win in this league, really in, if you want to compete for championships, you've got to be good in the front seven on defense. And you've got to have those five guys up front be some of the better players on the team. You mm-hmm. need to just be able to compete week in and week out, and you got to have depth. That's one thing he talked about in the press conference is, you know, I don't really care, you know, who the starter is, but he's worried about the two dude. Mm-hmm. Do you have 10 guys mm-hmm. in offensive line that you can trot out there? Do you have, if you're playing, you know, a three down with a jack, right? Do you have eight to 12 guys that you can rotate up front and be okay with, okay, this person only played 10 snaps this game and this person only played 15, but the collective body of what we did in that front unit is plenty because we had bodies to continue to throw at them. We weren't fatigued in the fourth quarter because we kept guys fresh. Right. Uh, and, and that's the way that they're approaching it. It's not that, you know, you're not good enough. It's that we don't have enough. We need more. Yeah. Kobe yep. Bryant. More. More. <laughs> <laughs> On the Kobe system. Yeah, we, we do need more. We need insurance up front. On, on both sides of the ball. We we're deeper than we think on defensive line because I think we're we're thinking about the main names that popped up when it came to transfers, but we had a lot that we brought in between JUCO, transfer, and also recruiting and a couple guys who are already here. We've got a lot. So I'm I'm actually fairly happy about the defensive line. TJ Lindsay looks to be one of the, like you said, what his skill set is in high school, what's shown in high school. Of course you want some of that in college. So you assume that he's going to come in, contribute, whether it is, like you said, strong side defensive end or he comes inside, puts on a few pounds. I mean, he's just technically he hadn't played his senior year yet. He could add 30, 40 pounds before he he hits the field. Yeah, between the senior year, what he's probably going to do going over to IMG in this final year, they're going to get him prepared. He's going to play against a lot of the best schools in Florida on a consistent basis, probably some of the best in the country. Um, And then once he if he commits and he gets here for the spring, he's going to go through that program and he's going to put on more weight, more size. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he could be everything that you need in the defensive lineman, the total package by the time he lands freshman year game one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about an entire 12 months from now. His body could look completely different if he stays on the right track between now and then.
War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from The War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now here's the rest of your morning drop. We're going to go over to the comment section, see what you guys have been talking about so far this morning. We appreciate everybody who continues to support the War Report. Reconcile jumping in with the chat this morning. We appreciate all of our members jumping in with us today. Good morning, Auburn family. Just watched Fireside Chat and I am loving it. Hunter likes some McDonald's. He absolutely does. If you didn't hear him, he uh, he lit up talking about McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know so. what? What's what's very telltale that he is an elite, uh, irregular athlete. That's two things that you should not be doing, and that is anything athletic and cowboy boots and eating fast yeah. food. And he does yeah. them both. All right. What? L- listen, man. See this? Th- th- these these are the things that old age robs from you, right? Because Jarquez Hunter literally told me he would dunk on me in some cowboy boots. And I felt offended because I know I couldn't do nothing to stop him if he no. wanted to do it right now. No. Now, he, it, even in my best athletic days, Jarquez Hunter is more athletic than I am. But that wouldn't happen if I was in, in my peak athletic. That, no, bro, we're not getting dunked on in no cowboy boots, fam. <laughs> like, you, you might do a lot of things. And maybe if I'm just standing under the rim and I, he just gets a running start and was like, oh, okay, we're gonna maybe he'd be able to do it. But we're not just randomly dunking on me and no cowboy boots, fam. It's not I, don't, I don't know, man. He, he's in the lead. No, like, no. You know, I don't, know, I don't like, care how many people he hurdling in games. We talking about hooping. No. I mean, he and said he's he shorter hoop, than man. me. No. He said he could hoop, man. I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to believe him. I'm inclined nah. to believe him. No, nah, no. Nah. Jarquez Hunter, man. I'm not going to challenge you to an actual game, but we're going to play horse or something, bro. Like, we gonna, I'm, I can still shoot. We're going to see what's up, man. We're going to see what's up. 
because I, 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 ain't, I ain't accepting that. James Barnett, what's up, man? He says <laughs> this morning, T. Reed said top five recruiting class for 2024. When asked by Mike G, how do you guys feel about that? Or do you think it will depend on how we do on the field this year? Good question there from John James. Mm. I've thought about this quite a bit. To see how we are gaining momentum before any games have been played, I think what we're going to do on the field may determine one, maybe two recruits decision. One, maybe two. Not a lot, though. What you need to look at is who's coaching the room and who else is after these guys. So with that being said, we missed out on KJ Bolton. He said that Florida State was his dream school. Mm -hmm. And that actually affects a lot. Like, that's something that we have to think about quite often is, do you want to be here, though? Like, right. J.C. Hart had offers from a couple of the places that were actually good schools. But he's like, no, his mentors, I understand it, went to, uh, went to Auburn, and he loved Auburn, and he was going to come to Auburn if he got an Auburn offer. It really didn't matter who else offered. Damari said, I knew I was coming to Auburn. He went to right. a Georgia game. They were trying to recruit him. He was like, I ain't even stick around and try to talk to their staff. I knew I wasn't going to flip. So why would I go talk to him? And that's Georgia. All right, Georgia is good. We just won a natty. <laughs> or was that the year before they won the natty? Yeah, it's the year before. Okay, so, I mean, but Georgia was still had much more success I mean, than last Auburn. year was his freshman year. Yeah, it was so, after oh, yeah, they won the natty. Yeah. So he was in the game, in, in the stands, during the national championship season, and he was like, I'm not going here, I'm leaving. He wanted to be at Auburn. Sometimes you're going to lose because a guy just wants to be at the other place, and that's fine. When it comes down to secondary, Linebacker down, running back, and probably D-line too. I think we are just going to get who we want, honestly. More often than not. I think there's a 90% chance that once we target a guy, if all things are equal, if we can somewhat match what the other NIL offers are, sure. Yeah, we're going to get that guy because I think we have superior recruiting coaches at those four positions. Now, offensive line is where I think we're going to have to show something. And it's not because of who Jake Thornton and, is or in quarterback. In, well, we already got a quarterback. So yeah. we, we don't, we don't, he's already bought into what Hugh Freeze is selling. So that decision won't come down to anything that'll happen during the season. So you're talking about for the 24 class specifically. Gotcha. Go ahead. Yeah. So for 24, offensive linemen, I think, are waiting to see. All right, what are you, what are you gonna do? Okay. What are you gonna do? How, how is it gonna look out there? Are these guys gonna look? Because if you wanna say anywhere where offensive linemen have gone to die, buddy, it's Auburn. We got on on Bama so bad about how they bad talk uh, Perry Thompson or how uh, they bad talk Demarcus Riddick and his folks. If you checked Auburn Twitter over the last two years and see how we talking about the offensive line, I think it might give you a little pause too. So okay, y'all turn around. Let me see how y'all feel about the offensive line. What the energy is for the offensive line, and you can see that because that's the one position where we have not picked up momentum. We were primed to get a house. Was it house? Mm -hmm. And then he went to Stanford. He doesn't even have a conference. This man is going to commit to a school and not he don't even know who he's playing in 2024. But he committed to them instead of us. So we've got some work to do to give ourselves some credit at that position. The same way we've got credit now at secondary linebacker, running back. And I think we're building it with defensive line. That is the one position I think will be determined by the play on the field. The rest, I think we're going to get them because we're going to get them. Okay. We will see for sure. I, I think that we have an opportunity to get into that top 10. Uh, Jonathan Boyson comes and says, I, if we get Franklin and Carter, then fill the class out. I believe we will be top eight, maybe 
ire. And speaking of Franklin Knox, Cleveland jumps in and says his commitment is coming up this Saturday. Any thoughts yeah. on Camarion Franklin, DeAndre Carter, who has pushed his commitment a couple of times? Um, mm. Both of those guys are Auburn is in the mix with them. I think. Mm-hmm. People feel pretty good about our prospects in both of those. But to your point, DeAndre Carter, offensive lineman, Camarion Franklin, defensive lineman. Trenches are things that I think that they have now that they have their quarterback in this class, which has been in the case for a while. And now that we've got some, you know, stud wide receivers out there, if you look at Kane, if you look at um, Simmons, and then you look at um, Perry Thompson, right? We've got three guys who could be stud wide receivers in this class, potentially thinking about adding a fourth. There are some other, mm-hmm. a, a couple other names that are being floated around out there that will be good receivers. I think that they've now completely focused there. I mean, defensive back, we got a bunch of those. Linebackers, we've got a couple of those. Mm-hmm. The trenches are where they're going to be focusing in their energy coming up. Yeah, Full court press, in my opinion, on DeAndre Carter. Full mm-hmm. court press on Camarion uh, Franklin. Yeah, and also on top of that, Steve Bradley brings his point. We missed on Bolden, so now I think it's Daquan Patterson's his Daquan, name. Yeah, he's a high four or five star, depending on the service. Safety, uh, to me into that safety. So, I mean, we we missed on the biggest safety target in the class. Do we have a chance? Do we have enough? Because I don't know if we were actually aggressively pursuing Patterson the way we had been Bolden for the last few months because we thought we had a chance to get him. So. You kind of have to pivot, so you're going to be behind some other schools who have been more consistent in recruiting them. But with this momentum, with the coaches that we have on this staff, I think there's a shot. And yeah, if we get Franklin and Carter, we're probably, we're easily top 10. And when we say just fill it out, we mean no more of the top 100 recruit targets. We're talking about just go get guys local that you scouted, that you know have the skill set. They aren't going to be super highly touted. Those are the ones that you are going to Snatch from a UCF, <laughs> from a Memphis, from from the the group of five schools, from the SMUs and stuff like that. That's that's what you fill out your class with. After that, quality talent that you've scouted, but that not everybody on your level is after. So we, I think we have a chance with those because those are all Patterson and uh, Franklin and um, Carter. Carter, those are all top one fifties or top two hundreds at worst, depending on the service. You get those. That's how you build that that class average. That's how you get into the top five. We get all three of those now. That I think that'll give us top five. Patterson coming along with the other two interior linemen that we think we have a good shot at. I think that gets us to top five. Definitely have that opportunity. John Brandon echoes that. I think we definitely end up top 10, top five if we catch some breaks, right? Mm-hmm. And so those breaks, in my opinion, would be those three names that you talked about. It may be some surprise person out there. You know, again, I didn't pay as close attention to recruiting last year. So when, because the excitement wasn't nearly as high, so it wasn't as interesting to follow. Uh, so the KN Lee flip was out of nowhere for me. Like I was expecting right. Keldrick Falk to be a potential signing day flip. But when Kay and Lee flipped, I was like, well, wait a minute, where did that come from? Like, were we in contention for this flip? Like, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. Right. Um, so maybe there's another guy that's out there that we don't see coming that they're in talks with that could potentially flip that's already committed somewhere or um, that we got in on late and they're, they're putting the press on because of some of the other things that we've not had uh, go in our favor as far as commitments thus far. Yeah. We'll see. And uh, Corey Weber's correcting me uh, here. He was that big cat. We've been recruiting him hard. Okay, even better. 
Yeah. <laughs> I assumed that Boulder was number one, and we were selling him that number one time because, of course, we have a couple of safety prospects already in that room that are young. But, hey, if we've already been on Patterson, even better. Then hopefully yeah. we can get him. Uh, Haley jumps in, says the future of recruiting after we have something to show is about to be bananas. And I think that's the, mo- the craziest thing about all of this that we've said over and over again. They haven't played a single you haven't even seen what this staff can do on the field, their ability to sell it based upon, you know, what they've done at previous places or what they potentially want to do mm-hmm. is amazing thus far. And yeah. I think it's going to only ratchet up if they put a good showing on the field this year or they figure out how to say, uh, hey, man, it's only looked bad because we didn't have you right here in this spot. Right. Right. So right. I'm looking forward to seeing how that t- turns out and how they f- plan to to weave whatever narrative it is to get these kids in on board for that 2024 class to set themselves up for a prime 2024 season uh, with some guys with experience in the system and then some new fresh faces in there to be able to up the talent level um, with that bottom or that talent floor is for some of these rooms. Yeah, for sure. Chris S. jumps in and says, we really need five more guys in the trenches to fill out this class. If we do that, we're good no matter where we've finished. That probably lands us in the top 10, though. Five more guys in the trenches. I'm guessing you mean either side with our offensive line, defensive line. We need more offensive line than defensive linemen, though, at this, at this stage. Where we're at, who we have on the roster, we have a lot of offensive linemen, but what we don't have is a lot of tackles. Yeah, I mean, I said we, we specifically need, need more tackles. guys that can play tackle. Yeah, I think we're probably great at guard. Guard and center, I think we're probably set for the next four or five years, to tell you the truth. Uh, left and right, and right tackles, we are not. We probably have two that can play each position right now. So one injury, and we're 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 thin. So we need to bolster that depth better than anything, and, and hopefully they can lean heavier on some tackles than they do on defensive linemen at this point in the class because I think we're good on defensive line. Yeah. Uh, last one I will uh, do here. Um, Steve Bradley asking, uh, can y'all explain why a player leaves his regular high school and state to go play at IMG? Sometimes it's just for their senior year. And that is the case for um, TJ Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple. You want to give yourself the best competition you can to prepare yourself to go to college. It's just mm. like any other, it's like uh, we, we were talking to Brian Batty and he was saying that the reason why he came to Auburn is he wanted to play against better competition in his final season. Like, yeah. The only way I'm going to do that is to go to a place where they play those guys. I need to, to be able to put on a better show for NFL scouts. So mm-hmm. I need to prove that, Hey, me playing like that against Florida, that wasn't one fluke game. I'm really that guy. Right. The scouts are going to line up like crazy to go watch an IMG game. They might travel to watch an IMG game because you've got so much talent in one place at one time. It's the same thing as with a basketball game, college basketball, right? Hey, I'm going to come and watch you for your one guy, but maybe there'll be two or three NBA scouts there if you're just a regular team. You got, hey, this guy's had great numbers the last couple of years. You you bring in a a five-star kid like, you know, uh, it's terrible to think about. We didn't get him, Flory Badunga. You get him in there, 6'9", athletic, finish around the rim, play defense, block shots. Listen, man, you're going to have scouts at your building every home game. Right. That's what you do. IMG brings the eyes. You want to go to where the eyes are so you can get the best offers. And that's what it is. It is a recruiting advantage for those who are fortunate enough and talented enough to get on the team. 
Yeah, I mean, for a guy who's already committed like him, you know, the scouts aren't necessarily the biggest thing for college, Mm. but it is going to pay dividends even. Because here's the thing, man. NFL scouts, if you don't play great in your collegiate career, even NFL scouts are victim of what your high school star rating is because they're going to be like, well, this kid was a four-star, five-star out of high school he didn't show it necessarily on the field. And they're going to assume, well, he just didn't get the opportunities or he wasn't mm-hmm. in the right system. They'll take a flyer on you later on if they can right. say, well, man, I saw the potential here. Like, let's be clear, man. Owen Papo didn't live up to his star rating. But because yeah. he has the measurables and because he was so highly touted coming out of high school, people were willing to take a chance on him. He, you know, if you go to the combine and blow the doors off and all that stuff, they're just like, ah, man, they just didn't use him right. We, we can right. get him here. We can do something. And that matters and that pays big dividends for people in the future being able to say, I went to a school like this, a powerhouse school. It gives them the opportunity to play against better competition and measure yourself and figure out how much farther do I really have from being elite? Right. You know, and I'm playing day in and day out against some of these better guys. So, um, it, there's no reason to not do it if you can afford to and you can really get yourself in a position to change the trajectory of what your uh, supposed professional career is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So that goes. All right. We are going to get out of here. We appreciate you all dropping in with us again. We'll be back with you guys again soon until the next time. And as always, War Eagle. Peace. Peace.